How is it that innovative software solutions have the ability to change the world and improve our lives, yet they don't sell themselves? How is it that I know my target market, but I'm not able to generate enough qualified sales opportunities? How do I even get started to create visibility for my brand across channels when I'm not an expert at marketing? That is the question, and this podcast will give you the answer. Welcome to Simplified, software marketing made simple. Hey everyone, it's Liz from MediaDev, and today I am joined by John Gosnell from our team, and we're going to be discussing my latest book, which is Tune In and Dial Out, How to Win at B2B Cold Calling. So hey, John, how are you today? Hey, Liz. I'm great. Thank you. Awesome. Yeah, it's good to be here. Sorry, I just had a little tickle in my throat. Had to drink a tiny bit of water. So, yeah, what did you think of the book? You kind of got a pre-release version of it. So, yeah. what did you think? I, I spent some time with it. I've I've read it twice, and uh, personally, for me, it, it helped me reimagine and rethink some things in terms of of calling. And I mean, we're no stranger to calling, uh, you and I. Um, and, and the rest of our team, but I, I think we do get trapped in certain perspectives and mindsets, um, maybe informed by our own work history or um, maybe experiences, some of which are good, some of which are not. And I think I think your book really does an excellent job in outlining a way for us to critically think about our own approach, where we're coming from, and why and really how to shed the stuff that's holding us back. So I think I think you did a great job with that, so kudos. Thanks, yeah, I really wanted to highlight a lot of the you know common false beliefs that people have about cold calling. Was there any you know in particular that resonated with you? Oh gosh, yeah. Um, so I mean, with in my background, I'm, I'm certainly no stranger to uh, phone calls. Uh, I, I did a lot of early work with BPO uh, taking phone calls. I've, I've taken tens of thousands of, of calls for, for technical issues, and I was petrified, scared to death when oh, I started. Oh, really? Uh, I, oh, that's I, interesting because I wouldn't have thought that, like, on the inbound side, they would cause that kind of fear. Absolutely, because for me, it was uh, – I didn't know why they were calling, and there was a wide spectrum of technical issues. You know, what if I can't service them? What if they're angry? Uh, there's all the what ifs, things you can't control. Um, but your mindset gradually shifts, even in that setting, to what can I control? How do I control the call to be a value to the person that's calling? Even if I don't have an answer for them, can I do something that still provides value for them? And but yeah, I was <laughs> so I was absolutely petrified when I when I first did that many many years ago. And you get numb to it. And you mentioned in your book, it's a muscle that you develop. Uh, you know, inbound and outbound are definitely different critters though, because you're initiating on the on the outbound. Uh, but you know who you're calling, and you know why you're calling. So there's a lot more control in that sense. So mm. um, I think if if we we look at it from a uh, just a, a basics, you know, make it simple because we, we bring our baggage into it. Uh, and, and one of the things that 
I had I had to shatter and I'm still shattering is is the and you mentioned this in your book is the mindset that I'm interrupting or I, mm. I'm going to be you know why why is this person going to want to interrupt whatever they're doing in their day for whatever it is I'm going to say to them sure so, you know, so I, I think, you know, in, in choosing the way we feel about that, which is also something that you spend some time talking about, we choose the way we we feel. Do we feel fear? If so, we're choosing that. We could be feeling excitement. We could be sure. feeling intrigue or curiosity. Um, and I'm I'm super curious, uh, you know, for you yourself, how did you get past that? Is there something in your history that helped you bridge between fear to excitement? I think, you know, it's like you talked about earlier with this muscle. You know, you develop the muscle over time and you develop you develop it doing specific exercises. And for me, those exercises include, you know, my morning routine, the mantras, you know, really training yourself to think differently. So, you know, combating that negative self-talk with positive affirmations, for example, or visualization or really checking my energy when I go into a call, you know, doing power poses or other types of physical, you know, like dancing around the room to loud music, you know, just to get myself into state before I'm going to start my day making calls, you know, because then you're really starting things out with that positive energy, you know, mm-hmm. and some of that's outlined in the book where I talk about, you know, what if what if my call, you know, makes this person's day better, you know, asking yourself some of those um, questions instead of, you know, oh, my God, what am I going to say, <laughs> you know, or, or some of the other like panic, panic inspiring types of, you know, negative chatter that we could be hearing in our mind that just are going to bring us down the downward spiral. So, yeah, I mean, mm-hmm. I think it came from a lot of practice. You know, I think with this with this type of work, you know, you learn as you go. And if you're open and allow yourself to to learn from each call and and understand the prospect and, and where they're at and empathize with them and be able to, you know, really put yourself out there and be vulnerable because when we are authentic, that's when we really connect with other people, you know, and if you're just reading a script or something like that, you know, it, it clearly doesn't work. And, you know, that's how I started out was just reading a script, you know, and it's when it didn't right. work. It's when it didn't work that I realized like, okay, I have to do something else. But it was funny because that job was, a you know, it was a summer job. Um, between, you know, years in college and I didn't care if like, I mean, the job didn't matter to me. So it was, it was easy for me to start shifting my mindset at that point because I had nothing tied to the outcome. A lot of people jump on the downward spiral because they think like, oh my God, if I don't get a lead, then I'm going to get fired. And if I get fired, I won't be able to pay my rent. And if I can't pay my rent, I'm going to be homeless. And they're tying too much of an outcome to having a good call, you know, which is how that fear gets out of control. And you can feel feelings of being overwhelmed, you know, whereas we don't need to tie like your life existence to the one call. That's right. That's a great way to, to put that. And it reminds me of what you said Two, when you took time to explain the difference between self-esteem and confidence, it's really healthy self-esteem that allows you to do things beyond your confidence level. Sure. And we limit ourselves with what we're familiar with. 
Absolutely. And we do that because it's a survival instinct because that fear, you know, it, it triggers that fight or flight reflex within us. And, you know, the fact of the matter is, is that it, it puts us back, you know, to caveman days where we had to, <laughs> you know, fight or run from the tiger, right? But there's no tiger that's coming to eat us. It's just a phone call. So, so, you know, putting things kind of back into the perspective of like, I'm actually fine in the moment of now and there is no tiger coming to eat me. And it is a choice how I feel about what I'm doing. And, and then, you know, practicing that again and again and again so that that becomes my new comfort zone. I think that's, you know, really it, it's it's a matter of like willingness, desire and time, you know, because it's that small. It's those small efforts compounded over time that make huge change. Right. And how do you how do you think it is then when we talk about vulnerability being the greatest strength we bring into a call? Why do you think that is? Is it because people kind of root for the underdog? I love that question. And, you know, the thing is, is I'm such a huge fan of Brene Brown. So, you know, if you haven't checked out The Power of Vulnerability or even her Netflix special, which is called The Call to Courage, I highly recommend that. You know, she's written a dozen books. She's a shame researcher and, you know, very well known for her TED Talks on this topic. And, uh, you know, everyone has this kind of uh, idea that vulnerability is weakness. And that's actually also a false belief because there are things that we do in our day to day that are just naturally vulnerable things, you know, and having a conversation with somebody that, you know, puts you in a vulnerable position. But being able to do that and having the self-esteem and the confidence to be able to do that and succeed at doing it regardless of, of whether or not, you know, that prospect turns into a lead, right? Um, I think that's a beautiful thing because it, it, it allows you to experience something new every single time, you know, but, but for sure, you know, you have no idea how the other person is going to react. It's like you said at the beginning of our conversation, you know, not being in control of how the other person reacts. But then getting to a place where it doesn't matter how they react because I'm going to be just fine because I'm sure enough with inside of myself that that is not going to transact with my own sense of self-worth. That's really that's why I say it's a strength. Mm -hmm. I see. Yeah. And, you know, I've I can testify to that in my own history, too. Um, You know, when people when I've been in the position to take the call from a cold caller, uh, when, when people are just sort of honest, uh, if they, when they don't know something and they admit it, I'm much Absolutely. more interested at that point because I know they're being authentic. Exactly. It's what creates true connection with people. It's, it's when we feel that they're being human, that we connect with them. And that's what I mean as well by being vulnerable. It takes vulnerability to say, I don't know the answer to that question. You know, you don't have to stop there. You can obviously explain that you'll find out or put them in touch with somebody who does know the answer to the question. But, you know, actually admitting to that makes people wildly uncomfortable. It makes them 
worried about judgment coming from the other person, thinking, oh, my God, they're going to think I'm so, so stupid because I don't know the answer to this question. And on the contrary, it's like you said, if we try to fake it and pretend like we know and we come up with some kind of nonsensical answer, people can see right through that. You know, it's kind of it's kind of like being drunk at a party. Like when you're drunk at a party, you think nobody can tell that you're drunk. Everyone knows that you are. Like you think you're walking around so sophisticated, yeah. you know, talking to people and not slurring your words, but everybody can see right through that. Like everybody knows. Yeah. So what would you say to someone who might be on the fence about the value of cold calling? Because I know that a lot of people challenge that like, oh, yeah, but there's really no value in that. I mean, I try to explain, obviously, in the book. That that, you know, my thoughts that is that cold calling has value. But what do you think about that? So I am I'm actually a huge fan of this idea now, because so I think the reason people think that cold calling is is a dead end is is because they're in this sort of millennial mindset where the, the phone is dead and people record messages on their answering machine like don't leave a message because um, nobody wants to talk to each other anymore, or so it seems. But I think in a business context, that's completely different. And when we can reach out as peers, and that's something that really struck out to me uh, in your book, when we're doing sort of a, when we consider ourselves peers, we're doing a peer-to-peer outreach. Uh, we call it cold calling, but really we're two business professionals, and I have something that could be revolutionary. It could be transformative to your day-to-day business. And I'm just going to share with you what that is. Wouldn't you like to learn more about it? You know, that's, and you can connect with the person. You can, you can, in real time, you can hear their tone. You can hear what's important to them, what's not important to them. Um, and I think you even mentioned in the book, you can hear by the way they're breathing. Whether or not they're engaged with you or or their sentiment, you get so many more signals. So I think it's really a smart thing to do. Uh, so I would say to somebody who's on the fence that you haven't tried it. Because once you try it and you start to pick up on these signals that you're sharing with us, it makes the job easier. And right. I think... It, it feels like the job is more difficult because it's like, oh, my gosh, I've got to find the right number or I've got to get through the gatekeeper. Uh, and then are they going to even pick up? And when they do pick up, am I interrupting them? We're having all these downward spiral thoughts, like you mentioned. You know, if they're so busy. Why did they pick up the phone in the first place? <laughs> so if they picked up the phone, don't feel like you've got a rush. They're the one that picked up the phone. Sure. <laughs> sure. No, I love that for sure. And I do think it comes from that perspective shift that we mentioned earlier, you know, that that we are engaging in this peer to peer discussion to provide value to somebody else and to see if we can create a win win for both businesses. So it's not about selling stuff. It's not about, you know, uh, pushing something on somebody else. Um, and I do think that the reason why people love to hate cold calling is because for them, it's just so wildly uncomfortable. They really don't want to do it. And it's such a great way to like 
almost blame, <laughs> blame something else, right? Like, oh, no, but that doesn't work, right? Or, uh, you know, I, I don't think that that's a good idea, you know, because like you said, they probably haven't tried it because they just haven't been able to get over these difficulties, these challenges that they've faced before. And so it's just easier to, you know, be like, well, that doesn't work. You know, I kind of equate it to when, um, you know, people, um, you know, don't want to take any type of personal responsibility. And it's just easier to blame, <laughs> you know, everything around us than have a look at how we could be doing something different. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. It's about the purpose. And I think in the book, the insight I gained was that the purpose of my call is to give. And the goal is for me just to shut up and listen. And then my personal strategy is be human, be authentic. Absolutely. And if that's really all I'm bringing into each call, yeah, I may have a call to action. There is a reason why I called. But I think at that point, um, people are going to they're going to pick up on that. Kind of like the the drunk guy at the party. They're going to pick up on, <laughs> on the one sober person too. <laughs> sure. No, and I think you know then there can be no bad outcome, right? Um, and I do mention that in the book too. I mean, just because every phone call is not going to turn into a lead, um, you know, uh, and especially in the B two B context, I mean, we can't even talk about sales, right? I mean, sales cycles are so long; it's never in one cold call that somebody's going to buy a complex software solution, right? So, but if I can learn from something, you know, something from every single call that I've made, um, regardless of what that is, then that's a great outcome, you know. So I think that that's a better way of of kind of going into it with that kind of mindset in the first place. And that's the growth mindset that I kind of mentioned towards the end as well. But um there was something else I was going to ask you. Yeah, you had asked a question earlier before we started recording this podcast about um, blueprints. I don't know if you want to ask that question to me again. Yeah, absolutely. I that was and I a think good point. We sometimes talk about that in a negative sense, like uh, when when somebody is upset or if they act like they're not having time or if they're not paying attention to you during the call or if there's a certain way they're reacting to something, uh, you've You've said and you've written in the book that that maybe them just showing you their blueprint. There's a way to read that. And I'm curious, what do you mean? And, you know, how do we how do we read somebody's blueprint? How do we use that? Yeah. So, I mean, anytime you were having an interaction with somebody, they're really just showing us something about. Right. I mean, and this happens in all types of relationships, not just business relationships. Most people, when they say, you know, I don't know, you could be talking to someone and be like, yeah, I've got a pair of purple pants, you know, and without anybody asking anybody anything, they'll say, well, let me tell you what I think about purple pants. Right. <laughs> you know, nobody asked them. And, and really, that's just them showing us their blueprint. Right. Um, all of the, the, the belief systems that we have about what we should do or shouldn't do and what other people should or shouldn't do really is just them telling us about their values, uh, what they think is important. Um, you know, so that's what I mean when I say blueprint is really, you know, their value system, their beliefs, the story that they're telling themselves. You know, a lot of people create a story, but the story is not a fact. 
it's a, a you know it's probably just an opinion that's based on something that happened in the past as an experience and that's shaped the way that they believe life should be now in the present moment so when somebody gets upset i mean one of the things i think the worst things that cold callers do is they don't acknowledge the elephant in the room you know, you can tell when somebody is, you know, it's like we said before, you can feel that vibe across the phone line when somebody is, you know, stressed out or they're in a bad mood or they, you know, feel like they don't have the time. So instead of just plowing through your script and trying to get around that by ignoring it, the best thing is just to call it out. Hey, I really feel like you're in a bad mood today. Like, what's going on? Is there anything I can do to help? You know, did something happen this morning or because people appreciate that. Again, it's like you said before, it's the human contact that we're providing. And people, most of the time, if you ask them that, they'll just be like, yeah, I'm really sorry. It has nothing to do with you. You know, and maybe they had a fight with their wife that morning or their dog died or, you know, something happened. And they're just like not all all there or they're not, you know, at 100 percent or they're you know, just having a bad day, you know, but maybe you can make their day slightly better just by asking them. Right. So those are kind of what I mean when I say the blueprint, you know, when when you can tell that that somebody um, is annoyed, calling it out under trying to understand why they're annoyed and then trying to do something differently so that you're getting back something more positive. Right. Right. Because it's not about you. Like it's really ninety nine point nine percent of the time, especially if you're showing up with positivity, like it really actually has nothing to do with you. And we imagine what people are thinking in their heads, but we have no idea what they're thinking in their head. We just project our belief system onto other people. Right. Right. So um, I don't know, what else did you kind of have as a takeaway from the book that you'd like to share with our listeners today? Well, I liked that the way you, you made a, a statement in the book. You said, when you stop asking questions, the conversation is over. It's really about asking good questions and keeping those good questions coming. That's And that's how we become good listeners and discover the blueprint uh, uh, in a positive way. So don't stop until you get the answer you need. And I think that's an area where I've personally struggled uh, in my own development is, is sometimes keeping those questions going, feeling like, wow, you know, I, I just ran out of, of valuable things to ask, but I didn't get anywhere near where I wanted. Mm. And one of the ways that I think your your book provided me Another outlet, another approach is to mirror the objection. So from asking questions and then, and then there is an objection, then all I need to do is restate that objection in the form of a question. Yeah, I love that. And that comes to, I can't take credit for that. That's Chris Voss and I do cite it in the book. So Chris Voss, who was an FBI negotiator and wrote the best selling book called uh, uh, never split the difference. That's what it is. Um, mm-hmm. He describes that technique. And I actually did a masterclass of his um, online masterclass where he discusses that at length. And it's such a great way, especially when, you know, when you're cold calling, you can get stuck. And the go to for most cold callers is 
and that and that really is the beginning of the end. Like when you're when you're there and you just can't figure out what you want to say and you're stuck and the public knows you're stuck and then you know those seconds feel like hours. That that really is when mirroring is the best go to strategy, because like you said, not only are you taking the words that the prospect said and you're throwing it back in the form of a question, you're enabling the prospect to feel heard and you're creating and building rapport with the prospect because they feel like they've been heard. And you really use the exact words that they said. So if somebody, you know, I don't know, comes out and says, you know, we're using XYZ solution and you say you're using XYZ solution, you know, and then they're prompted to give you more information. Yeah, we put it in place back in 2015 and we've got, you know, X number of users for it. Right. So right. you get more information that way. It prompts them to give you more. And and then the conversation keeps running. And then because you've gotten more info, you can think about additional follow-up questions that you can ask. But for me, there's nothing worse than when you're talking to somebody, you've given them some interesting piece of information, and then they're just asking the next question that's on their script, and it has nothing to do with I just, what I just said. You know, because that breaks rapport. And then the prospect thinks, like, this guy is not even listening to me. Like, what the hell is the point of having this conversation if they're not even going to listen to what I just said? Hmm. That's interesting. So something else that I, I thought was personally helpful was, you know, what do I do with a no? Sometimes mm. people are just like, no, or I'm not interested. And something that you said in the book was that this may mean that you just need to dig a little bit deeper, ask better quality questions. Uh, no's can be very reflexive. It could just be something they they said but don't seriously mean, and you give an interesting story about that um, with a, a telemarketer calling you. But the uh, the fact that a person says no doesn't mean the conversation is over. Yeah, I mean that's what that's a huge big big false belief that people have is that no means no, and that's the end. And you know. The the thing the thing about this that's so important is to think back of experiences in your life when let's say you were presented with an opportunity and you said no, and then later you thought about it and that no turned into a yes. I mean sometimes I need like four or five times saying no before I'm like yeah okay let's do it right. So yeah. I think it's important because the instinct for most people is to say no on the, at that first try. Right. That first that first time being asked a, a question where it gets them out of their comfort zone, where they're presented with something new uh, that they haven't maybe thought about before. Most people are going to say no. So so being able to say, yeah, I get it. Like this is something new. You know, I understand that maybe you need more time to think about this. It's not something you maybe thought was on your roadmap right now. And <laughs> right. And you can keep going. I think um, I think it's a way. I mean, the example in my book was like you couldn't get more quintessential than that particular example because, I mean, she really took no at face value so quickly without digging deeper, and and I think that it was unfortunate because you know maybe there was an offer that could have really helped me, but I, I will say too um, that 
when when you get a no you know think about think about also you know why is it that they could be saying no to this is it just because we're trained to say no on these types of calls right and that's where i also have another tip which is when you have a, a, some of your questions make make them give you no which is a positive answer right like right. is this a bad time for me to be calling you well you want them to say no <laughs> right and then that reassures them it's like a psychological trip it reassures them like okay i got to say no that feels good for me because i want to say no but that's the answer that you were looking for right so there are lots of things that we can do in that respect too like would it be crazy to think that you want to save time and money no like everybody wants to save time and money. So you see what I mean? Now, that obviously sounds very salesy, what I just said, but there are variations on that that you can use and kind of scatter in the conversation so that the person feels just naturally feels better. They're not going to know why they feel better, but they're just going to feel better. And as soon as you have anyone that feels better, then you're building rapport. That's great. Building rapport. And then when the person is acting a bit defensive, they haven't said no, but you can tell that they're very guarded. You say in the book that one of the best ways to break through that is just with passion. Have passion about what you're talking about. Yeah, and that's hard for a lot of cold callers because they don't see the bigger picture and the value that they're actually bringing. So it does come back to that. Um, of course, you know, you have to believe in the product that you're representing. Yeah. I mean, and, and some people, you know, they don't. And then that, that fundamentally is a problem. I mean, when I started out my career, um, I was working for a while in, you know, marketing communications and PR, and there was a company that I was working for, and I really just felt that their products were bad for people. Like you can't, you can't, I mean, from an ethical, moral standpoint, you know, obviously there's a conflict there. So, but if you do, I mean, especially in the technology space, my gosh, like I, I find technology just to be so, so fascinating because of the way it impacts our lives and helps us improve the way we do business. You know, it's easy for me, at least, to see the value and then become really passionate about that value. And it's true that becomes uh, electric. I mean, people are very much attracted when somebody's talking about something that they're passionate about. I mean, now getting back to the party example, like how many times have you been to a party and somebody just lights up because they're talking about something that they just love? And people are drawn to that. You know, they want to hear that. Um, so, yeah, that's definitely a tip that I give. I mean, get passionate about it. But also, I think, too, if somebody's really defensive, like I never go in the opposite. You know, anytime that you are um, like almost creating a battle with somebody, you know, if you're if you're holding on to your position, right, and they're holding on to their position, it's basically like picking up one side of a rope and pulling on it and they're pulling on their side, right? So you're creating this kind of tug of war. I mean, being able to go in their direction, like a lot of people, at times this happens when, for example, somebody will say, oh, well, just send me an email with some information, right? Yeah. You know, and you could let that be the end of the conversation. Okay, sure, I'll send you an email. But but that's not the call to action you want, 
right? And then right. who says they're even going to read the email? I mean, honestly, if somebody can't spend five minutes on the phone with you, are they going to spend five minutes reading an email? Probably not. Right. So, you know, I'd be happy to send you some information that's going in their direction. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And yeah. I'd also like to just ask you, you know, one last question about and then you try to get in another question. And if the person's really defensive, then I would call it out. It's like we said before, don't ignore the elephant in the room. Right. So I can see you're feeling really defensive. I'm sorry if I came off as being salesy. I'm honestly just trying to have a conversation with you to better understand your business, how you run things, what projects you're working on, whatever it is that you say, right? Whatever rings true for you, you know, I I can tell that you're really busy and, you know, maybe I can call you back another time. Yeah. Our features may be so extensive that I need to understand a little more about your industry or your uh, application. So I do send you something relevant. Yeah. Or like I said, incite the no answer, like, Am I really bothering you? Hmm. And you want them to say no. (laughs) (laughs) Right? Have you ever gotten a yes? Have I ever gotten a yes? Well, yeah, that can happen. I mean, you know, sometimes people are really just uh, a piece of work. So that's okay. Yeah. (laughs) And then that's when you're like, okay, gosh, I'm really sorry. And I'll send you over an email and. Hopefully we can talk again soon. And then, you know, you, you still persist though. You don't, you don't let it go, you know, and then I always try to bring humor into it at some point too. I mean, I'm not the best like joke, joke cracker, but at the same time, if there's any way to break the ice by using humor, um, you know, that can also really help to break the pattern, you know, so, and breaking the pattern is important because like I've said before, um, it's when you can get your prospect to kind of step out of the role of I'm supposed to say no and be negative because I have this perception about cold calling and I don't want to buy anything. <laughs> so I need to be standoffish and I need to be guarded because I don't want to buy anything. Right. But the fact of the matter is that with B2B cold calling, we're not actually selling anything. We're just trying to understand a business context to see. If there could be an opportunity in the future, you know, for us to explore options, let's put it that way. Right. Uh, That's the true epiphany, isn't it? It's we're not even selling. We're just trying to connect them with information uh, and and a a good positive uh, context with an expert, typically somebody who can truly understand what their their business needs may be with a, a few simple questions and then they can decide at that point whether or not that's something they want further calls on uh, you're you're just giving them an invitation and uh, hopefully in a way that you're generating curiosity right you're just giving them an invitation and I think so many of us go into this thinking gosh I have to how am I going to sell this mega corporation on this new solution? And that's totally not what we're doing. Yeah, I mean, I think of it as, you know, a cold call is a door opener. And that's really all it is, because like we said before, nobody is going to buy a complex software solution over the phone because they talk to you for five minutes. It's just never going to happen. So it shouldn't be the goal of the call. The goal is to provide value, to educate, to understand, to learn and to bridge then to 
you know, the next step, the call to action, which would be, you know, I'd love to show you what we have on a demo. It's kind of like, you know, I equate it to, you know, purchasing a car, like nobody's going to buy a car over the phone in five minutes because they called me and asked me if I plan on buying a new car. Like you'd have to be a crazy person to buy a car on the phone, right? (laughs) Because everyone is going to want to test drive it and you're going to have to compare it with other, you know, types of vehicles and, you know, to get a budget available and all that kind of stuff. And it's the same with software sales, like, you know, it's just totally unrealistic. It's it's not like we're selling, you know, bathing suits or antivirus software that you can download in 30 seconds on your PC, right? Yeah. So um, it's really important, like, especially, you know, with certain ISV OEM types of campaigns that we run, like, this is a very complex, uh, you know, kind of business engagement and exploring that option like you're literally just opening up the door for the dis- this discussion to start. That's it. And it's only one of possibly dozens of touch points you should have with that person. It, Absolutely. it doesn't have to be the one that triggers them into a connection uh, as a lead. Sure. Sure. I mean, we talk about omnichannel outreach. We talk about, you know, being present uh, across channels. And, you know, those touch points are so important because it creates visibility and it inspires behavior based on that. So, you know, leaving voicemail messages and following up with email and doing social selling on LinkedIn, like those are all important parts of the puzzle. But, you know, most salespeople these days, they avoid the phone like the plague and they over rely on other channels. But the fact of the matter is, is that it's really, really easy to ignore uh, email messages. It's really easy not to connect and not to reply on on LinkedIn. You know, so adding an extra channel in there is absolutely critical, even though, you know, people are, you know, skeptical of the phone at at best and loathing it at worst. That's right. And, And you never know, like you said, you may be bringing value to that person. And it reminds me of, uh, reaching out to a SVP of product and, uh, he ended up telling me I was the only person who had ever gotten through to him at his desk, which wow. just, uh, so I, I think that underscores what you're saying that this is an underutilized tool and, uh, we really need to, to not focus on things that are easily forgotten, ignored. Uh, but boy, when somebody is ringing on your, on your phone, leaving you voicemails, not only are you getting their attention, you're showing them that they're important. Sure. Sure. Well, that must have made you feel very important when you got that <laughs> SVP on the line. That's great. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, even though uh, they weren't ready to, to move forward, it was great just being able to to connect, right, and, and know that they appreciated it. They were Absolutely. they were actually impressed that somebody took the time to figure out how to get a hold of them at their desk. Yeah, that reminds me of uh, some presentations I've seen from Sarah Blakely. So Sarah Blakely, who is the founder of Spanx and multi-billionaire at this point. But, you know, she started out doing exactly that. You know, uh, business entrepreneurs also forget that, 
you know, some of the greatest success stories uh, in terms of, you know, business leaders, they, they started out doing cold calling, you know, and I really do believe that anyone who is capable of getting good at cold calling, like you can do anything, anything. Like those skills are transferable to any area. And that's something you mentioned early in the book, too, that um, you can really roll this into your personal life uh, as a husband or a wife. Sure. It can transform you in your in terms of business, personal enterprise, with friendships. Uh, and I was wondering, like, how is it doing that? But as I read the book, it occurred to me a lot of it had to do with shutting up. <laughs> <laughs> Well, it's true. I mean, you know, and I'm a talker. Don't get me wrong. I mean, I'm somebody just naturally that's wired for talking. And it's taken a lot for me to learn how just to listen, not interrupt, be fully present in the moment, allow people to talk, get curious, um, like genuinely curious, not just like, you know, asking questions for the sake of continuing a conversation, but like genuinely getting curious to understand um, you know, somebody else or their business context, you know, their job, what they do. And it's true that, you know, especially as a parent, like it is so important for us to be able to show up for our kids and just be there for them, you know, without telling them what to do and, you know, giving them orders all the time and dictating like all of the choices that they make, you know, and and so being able to do that on a call by listening really getting curious, like you can totally do that at home with your family and it'll help you again, you know, build the rapport that you need, which is so essential because once you've built rapport, you're in the the sphere of trust, right? Um, and you want to be in the sphere of trust because then people will give you valuable information that you need, you know? So whether that be, you know, with our, with our children so that they tell us, you know, that a kid is bullying them at school, uh, or, <laughs> you know, that be with a prospect because they're telling us about, you know, some upcoming, um, you know, needs that they have or whatever it is. Yeah. It, it's important for us to be able to do that. Absolutely. Awesome. Well, I'm glad that you liked it. I really appreciate you taking the time to be able to talk to our listeners today about it. And I hope that everyone also feels inclined to go onto Amazon and purchase the book. Again, it's tune in and dial out how to win at B2B cold calling. Uh, and we also have plenty of other resources on our resource library at mediadev.com, all of which are free. So please make sure to check that out, too. Um, anything else you wanted to say, John? No, uh, I just want to mirror a little bit of what you said, but I'm, I'm going to phrase it a little differently and say you are the uh, cold calling guru. Uh, <laughs> oh, my gosh. Your expertise here. <laughs> I don't know about that, but thanks very much for, for saying that. <laughs> but uh, I appreciate it, John, and I'm glad that it was able to serve you. That was really my purpose of writing it is that I know a lot of people struggle with cold calling and, you know, they have to do it for their jobs, but it's the thing they, they hate most or like least about their job. And so, you know, if this can at least provide some relief to people so that it's not as, 
difficult. You know, I, I used to have a job where, you know, I'd wake up in the morning and I'd just feel sick to my stomach at having to go to work. And it's the worst feeling in the world and nobody should have to feel that. But there's no reason to quit a job just because you feel uncomfortable with part of the, you know, the responsibilities. Just up level your skill set and get better and then it won't feel so bad. You know, so we also have our online marketing class, uh, the online master class, which is called the Essentials to Lead Generation, which is a great next step after you've read the book. And that gives tons of other, you know, tips about how to generate leads, how to be able to get your foot in the door with with B2B prospects um, and be successful at, at sales and marketing. So definitely would encourage people to check that out as well. So thank you so much, John. I really appreciate your time today. Fantastic. Thank you, too. Take care. You just listened to Simplified, brought to you by MediaDev. If you have software marketing questions or need help marketing your software solution, reach out to us at contact at mediadev.com and check out other amazing assets for you on our resource library at mediadev.com.